ESPN Sports columnist Jim Suhan today is brought to you by Wimmer Opticians. Good morning, Jim. Morning, Jim. All right, Jim. So the Vikings got Brian Flores. Uh, he's a new defensive coordinator. Your thoughts? Uh, I always thought he was the best, most qualified candidate and probably the best fit here. Uh, Everett obviously was the rising star that everybody wanted, and he might end up being great. And he might end up have been he might end up proving that he was the right person to hire here. Uh, the Vikings didn't get the chance. He didn't interview him. Uh, that's a little bit, at least a little bit of bad luck in that the Panthers had a head coaching opening. So we were able to interview him for a head coaching opening. And then they already kind of had that relationship when uh, he didn't get a head coaching job and decided to go for the defensive coordinator position. But I just think if you look at experience resume, uh, yeah, I just think Flores has the best resume. Yeah, he he was a very good defensive coordinator. He was a very good head coach, and uh, you know the Vikings are kind of lucky to catch him on the rebound after uh, after the Dolphins wrongfully fired him, and he spent a year uh, with Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. I mean, he spent you know he he was the top assistant for Belichick on very good defenses. He improved the Dolphins' defense as his head coach as the head coach down there. They were terrible when he got there. And then he got to work with Tomlin last year, one, another one of the better defensive coaches in the league. And now he comes to a team, and, and I think combination of experience, knowledge, uh, toughness, uh, you know, I, I just think he's going to be a good fit here. Now, we, we have, you know, we, there are a million things we need to find out. Is he going to stay with 3-4? Is he going to go 4-3? Over time, we'll find out what he, his evaluation of some of these veteran players is and whether they should stay or go. But I just don't think they could have done better in terms of resume. He's a much more defensive or a much more aggressive defensive coordinator, right? I mean, when he was in Miami, it seemed like their defenses were they, they did a lot of blitzing. They were pretty aggressive. Very, yeah, he's he's really thrown everything at opposing offenses. Donatel obviously decided, you know, was a passive, uh, generally a passive defensive coach. And listen, that can work. You know, Tony Dungy was a passive defensive coach. He believed in the the cover two was basically a passive defense. You're hoping your front four will get to the quarterback, and you're hoping your safeties can make some plays reading the quarterback's eyes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's not that passive defenses can't work, but it, Donatel, I don't think, did enough to confuse uh, opposing offenses or to change things up or to hide his defense's weaknesses. Um but, you know, to, in Donatel's defense, the, the defense was terrible the year before with Zimmer. It was terrible with him. Flores does have a lot of work to do here. I do think Flores is better at – I think he's better than Donatel at throwing different looks at offenses. I think he does play more multiple coverages. I think he disguises blitzes more. I think he's more willing to be aggressive. Uh, and I think those things will – I mean, it's got to be better this year. So as far as personnel goes, um, are they going to go a specific way because they now have floors? Are they looking for a, a type of defender? We don't know. Um, but I do think that the the one thing everybody can agree on, whether it's Donatel or Flores or O'Connell or Zimmer or whatever, the one thing everybody can agree on is this team needs uh, better cornerback play and more speed overall. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Flores is looking at that and saying, I, I need to cover, we need to cover better and I need more people who can really, really run. Uh, Smith has lost a step. Uh, Zary Smith looked, you know, half, like half a player, second half of the season. Uh, Hunter had a good season, but not a completely dominant season. Kendricks looked a step slow. Hicks looked a step slow. I'm, I'm guessing Hicks is gone. Uh, the interior defensive linemen are more, 
you know, space, uh, space fillers than, than, than sprinters. Uh, so they're going to look to get younger. They're going to look to get faster. That was going to happen no matter who the defensive coordinator was though. Are there other, uh, coaching positions that still need to be filled? Uh, you know, we don't know whether Flores is going to want to bring in some of his own people. There could still be some flux there. Um, so that uh, there's still, you know, we know that Flores got hired last night. We have no idea what he's going to do or what his philosophy is, is going to be or what the next step is yet. That's going to you know, take some time to come out here. Uh, but he he very well might have somebody he wants to bring in with him. Uh, Jim, switching attention to the Minnesota Wild, they lose 3-2 at Arizona last night. They were up one nothing, or up 2-1 to in the third period. Uh, Arizona comes back, and Arizona hasn't been very good this year, and that, not a great start to this road trip for the Wild. No, uh, almost predictable. I don't, I don't want to give them an out, but uh, almost predictable that you come off a long break. Everybody has these dark tans, and you're playing in Arizona, uh, which is – a great place to continue a vacation and they just didn't look all that sharp. Um, you know, I know that, that, and that might be sound like a, a bad excuse, but it's, we're also talking about human nature here. And I'm just, I'm just not shocked that they weren't completely themselves. Um, you know, they're, you know, because of where they are in the standings, uh, every loss feels fairly important. Then again, they still have some games in hand over most of the people in front of them. So, not a great performance, uh, almost a predictable loss. And now they go to Dallas. That'll be a tough one. Then they have then they have a nice homestand: Vegas, New Jersey, Florida, Colorado, Dallas, Nashville, L.A. You know, long homestand. Uh, that's where they can make up some ground. Combination of having a long homestand and having some games in hand, they could really make a push there to get up to the middle of the playoff pack. Jim, so Gopher men's basketball is not going to play tonight. They didn't have enough uh, players, scholarship players, healthy players to play. Yep, uh, and also, you know, if you if you start to lose that many players, then you probably <laughs> you're probably at risk of of spreading the germ around to uh, the other team and to anybody who's buying a ticket. You, they're just, you know, and and let's be honest, the games are not very meaningful for this team right now. So I, I think this is a pretty easy decision to make. Are they going to try to reschedule it? Uh, I don't. I, I would think so, uh, but I don't know for sure. Um, and you know, maybe maybe it comes down to whether uh, you know whether it ends up having any meaning. But I, I I just don't think the way college basketball works these days, it's going to be all that meaningful. Jim, uh, I, the- I take it back. I take. I take it back. Uh, you know, I hadn't looked that up before we got on the air. It does look like they're going to try to reschedule that for later this month. Uh, uh, February 20th, they're going to try to play it. Okay. All right. Uh, Jim, Max Kepler has not been traded. Um, is he going to be traded? Um, and if he is not, is he the starting right fielder opening day? Uh, there are two kind of parallel stories out there right now. One is that the the Twins tried to trade him didn't find any offers they liked and decided to keep them. The other uh, is, and I've heard this from twins officials myself talking privately with them is that they never, they would have like any other player, they would have listened to any good offer, but they weren't really pushing to trade Kepler. They were just willing to trade him. If somebody you know offered some real, a good pitcher or something like that, whatever, it's kind of a gray area, which is more true. Uh, I, what I know for sure is right now, they are planning on an opening day lineup of Joey Gallo in left, Byron Buxton in center, Max Kepler in right, 
they think they will have, and, and with Taylor as their backup center fielder, uh, they basically think they will have by far the best defensive outfield in baseball. They have a pitching staff that generally puts the ball in play. They have a number of uh, fly ball pitchers. They think having uh, three excellent fielders, three power arms, and a backup gold and a, a gold glover backing them up, they think that that will really play well uh, for this team and in, in the way baseball is played right now. Do you think Taylor's going to play any corner outfield, or is he just going to be strictly a center fielder when Buxton is not playing? I could see him being a defensive. Uh, replacement um, and that that'll be something they'll have to sort out is are you better in the late innings when you're defending lead are you better with Taylor playing you know left or right or with Gallo or Kepler playing their natural position and being really good defenders at that position uh, my guess is Taylor will be mostly a backup defensive center fielder uh, and they'll and knowing that they have a great defensive center fielder, maybe they can DH Buxton a little bit more in their attempt to keep him healthy for a full season. Uh, so I think he's going to be mostly a backup center fielder. Uh, is Kirilov going to play first base, and who else could play first base on this roster? First base and DH. Well, first base, I think their preference would be Kirilov. Of course, as we talk here, let's all remember they use a different lineup every day. So we can have a lot of fun drawing out our own lineups and our own rosters, and it's going to change every single day of the season. But I think their default position would be hoping Kirilov can be their starting first baseman. He is still having wrist soreness. That's a terrible sign for a hitter. Uh, we'll see if he can get through it and be their opening day first baseman and whether he can be the hitter they always thought he was going to be. They also have Larnick, Walner. Uh, you know, they can shift people to first base. Uh, if they need to, uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, garlic. I think garlic could end up playing a role in this team as a right-handed power bat on a team that's very left-handed. So there are a lot of people who can play first base. DH will probably be used for Buxton rest days, Correa rest days, uh, young sluggers to fill in there. Uh, so I think DH is going to be kind of a rotating thing. First base, I think they'd like it to be Kirilov with a right-handed complement, but we'll see. Jim, a lot of times when we talk about uh, spring training that there's not a lot of positions on the line. Are there some positions on the line? You mentioned, you know, rotation at first base, you know, DH, and who's the extra outfielders. Are there some spots that could be up for grabs? Uh, I guess, you know, I'm trying to find new ways to say what I say every year at this time, which is that the team knows who, who wants on the team and on the roster. And it's not really a competition as much as it is a matter of people staying, the people they want to be on the team staying healthy and nobody eliminating themselves. Uh, so it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like Little League where it's just, hey, the best team, they don't know these players and whoever plays well is going to win the job. You know, Polanco's their second baseman no matter what. Correa's their shortstop no matter what. Buxton's their center fielder no matter what. I mean, all these, I, I would say that the rotation is set, the bullpen is set with a little bit of, possible movement at the very bottom of the, the bullpen uh the lineup is set uh and it's a matter of do they stay healthy and does anything happen this spring that changes their mind in any way uh and the other thing is that the opening day roster will change within three days to a week and continue changing through the season so even making the opening day roster isn't all that meaningful it's really in, in the way the people use their roster these days and we've seen that with the twins especially it's really what 35 players are going to be primary contributors here. 
you know, uh, because you're going to be constantly going down to the minors and pulling up extra relievers and extra position players when people are hurt. Uh, so what 35 players in spring training really put themselves on the radar that they get? And it, so in other words, what's the 10 to 20 man roster uh, uh, taxi squad that you're going to look to when you need a replacement player or a fill in? And I think that's really what you get out of spring training. Jim, one last one for you. Uh, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, they're going to play against the Wolves tonight in Denver. Uh, that is the expectation. We won't know for sure until later, but I would guess that they were resting them, looking at them, ha- looking at having them uh, ready for tonight. All right. Uh, what do you got in your podcast, Jim? Uh, we have the uh, Viking Update show up. We have uh, the John Krasinski show talking about the Wolves and Ant's uh, all-star snub and where the Wolves are right now. Everything's at TalkNorth.com or on your favorite podcast app. All right, Jim, thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks, Jim. It's Jim Suhan, Star Tribune Sports Columnist, joining us every weekday morning at this time. Follow him on Twitter at Suhan Strib. Check out his latest column in the Star Tribune or his podcast at talknorth.com. News next on WJON. You're listening to the 